All right, well, welcome to our third session on systematic theology. First week, we did an introduction and looked at what is systematic theology. Our second session, we looked at the scope and purpose of systematic theology. So now we're in the third session, and we're going to start diving into some of the topics. Um, this, for this third session, we will be looking at general revelation and also natural theology. So what I'd like to do is uh, we're going to go through um, kind of the items discussed in, the, in this session. I also added in some a few scriptures and a few outside sources of, um, of commentary I wanted to read for you guys. And then once, uh, once we make it through that, we'll go through our usual um, kind of overview and look through that about what we discussed and what we learned. And then if we finish all that in time and you guys want to, we can still watch the video, but we will try to cover everything even without the video. Um, so it's, it's optional. <laughs> we'll take a vote. <laughs> so, All right, so looking at general revelation and natural theology. So uh, Christianity um, is a revealed faith. It is not speculation. Uh, that is, it is based upon the revelation of God. It is not based upon man's speculation of things. And we believe that truth has come to us from God, even though we can't see God directly. That, in fact, all truth comes to us from God. God reveals himself through general revelation and special revelation. Special revelation being the Bible. General revelation being nature. And it's actually called general for two reasons, which we'll get into. Um, God is indeed the source of all truth. And uh, in the video it talks about um, thinking of a spring, the headwaters uh, you know, of a mighty river. That starts with a small spring, you know, and then slowly turns into this mighty river. So God, God is the source of all truth. God made knowledge of anything possible for man. So, um, you know, often you hear the secular world and, and maybe the scientific community uh, talk about, well, you know, we don't have to believe in the fantasy of a God, right? We, we get our truth from science, and that is we observe the physical universe and we find truth in it. Well, we would say to them that the only reason why you even have the ability and the capacity to observe or understand anything is because God has given you that ability, that capacity. Um, so God is, is the source of everything. Um, get, and he gives an illustration in the video. Um, talks about even with perfect vision, if the lights are off, you can't see, right? So if we're in this room and we all have 20-20 vision, let's pretend we do, uh, if the sun's already down and we turn all the lights off, you know, we know there's stuff all in this room, but we can't see it even with our perfect vision because the lights are off. We have to be illuminated. Um, so general, I mentioned general uh, is in two ways. First, it is given to everyone uh, by nature and conscience. So I'm going to look uh, read Psalm 19, 1 through 6. Psalm 19, 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiworks. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. 
Their measuring line goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chambers, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. I'll stop there. So we can see clearly from Scripture, God has revealed uh, part of his nature and his character through what he's, he's created, his creation. Um, so revelation is not just in Scripture alone, although that is his special revelation, which gives us details we could not otherwise know or understand. Um, but we can see um, some of God's nature just by what he's created. So general is also um, called general because the content is not detailed. And like I just mentioned, the details would be more than special revelation. So that's why it's called general for those two reasons. Uh, general revelation is also called natural revelation. And that is because you're talking about a revelation re- revealed in nature. That is creation. But natural theology is, is different than natural Revelation. So we have to be careful not to confuse the two, because they often are confused. Um, so he gives an illustration on this to try to understand the difference. And he gives an illustration of, of man down here at the bottom, and then God, of course, up here at the top. And then in between is the creation, the universe that God has created. And God reveals himself through this creation, but to the extent of that knowledge being understood and um, comprehended by man, which um, he calls it getting into our heads, that is what natural theology is, what we actually understand and, and can know from that natural revelation. So God's revelation is active on God's part. God reveals to man. The theology, on the other hand, is what we comprehend from looking at that revelation. So don't confuse natural revelation, the action of God, with natural theology, what man understands about God through nature. Um, And I wrote my notes here. So uh, you have nature between God and man. Nature is the medium God actively reveals himself to man. Natural revelation is the work or action in which God reveals himself through nature. Natural theology is the result of revelation. It's man's knowledge of God. So does that seem clear? All right, often those get confused. Some have argued man cannot know uh, anything about God through nature. So what I want to do is read Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. You can uh, follow along if you want to. You don't have to. Let's see, chapter 18. Okay, I'm going to read from 18 through, actually I'm going to go down through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. So we can see clearly Paul is saying that God is revealed by nature and that is plainly and clearly revealed. Um, in fact, uh, I believe I wrote in my notes here that uh, the, the Latin word uh, used is manifestum, which obviously sounds pretty familiar when we get manifest from, but means it's clearly or plainly revealed to us. So it's not even ambiguous. It's not even like... Uh, we have to, you know, work really hard to figure it out. Like maybe there's something about God we can find in nature if we if we study really really hard. It's it's plain. It's clear. Uh, so I wanted to read for you a, a couple of outside sources uh, before I go on further about Romans. This is some commentary on this uh, part of Romans here. Uh, it's entitled Man's Guilty Knowledge of God. All people are naturally inclined to some form of religion, yet they fail to worship their Creator, whose general revelation makes Him universally known. Sinful egoism and aversion to our Creator's claims have driven humanity into idolatry, the error of giving worship and homage to any power or object other than God. In their idolatry, apostate humans suppress the truth and have changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-feathered animals, and creeping things. Quoting from Romans again. <clears throat> they smother and quench, as far as they can, the awareness that general revelation provides of the transcendent judge and creator, and they transfer uh, the sense of deity to unworthy objects. This, in turn, leads to drastic moral decline and misery as a first manifestation of God's wrath against apostasy. And it gives some other uh, references for that. God will not allow human beings to suppress entirely their sense of God and of his judgment. Some sense of right and wrong, as well as of accountability to God, always remains. Even in the fallen world, everyone is endowed with a conscience that from time to time condemns them, telling them they ought to suffer for wrongs they have done. When conscience speaks in these terms, it speaks with the voice of God. In one sense, fallen humanity does not know God, since what people believe about the objects of their worship <coughs> excuse me, falsifies and distorts the truth about God. In another sense, all human beings do know God, but in guilt, with uncomfortable inklings of the judgment they cannot avoid. Only the gospel of Christ can speak peace to the aspect of the human condition. So I think uh, Paul makes a very clear argument that man is indeed without excuse. Uh, you know, you often hear the argument, well, what about those people who have never heard the gospel, right? It haven't, hasn't reached them. Um, I don't remember if I have it in here or not, but maybe it's under this one. But it was interesting that it, it, it addressed that, and I, I like the way it worded it. Let me read this. General Revelation. God's wor world is not a vile hiding to the Creator's power and majesty. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. 
the natural order proves that there is a mighty and majestic creator. Paul says the same in Romans 1, like we were reading, and in Acts 17. Um, let's see. Sorry, I lost my place here. Uh, to witness that every living person was created by the same God. Paul also affirms that the goodness of the Creator is evident from kindly providences, and that some, at least, of the demands of His law are apparent to every human conscience, along with the uncomfortable certainty of eventual judgment. These evident certainties are the content of general revelation. General revelation is so called because it comes to everyone just through their being alive in God's world. God has revealed himself this way from the start of human history. He actively discloses these aspects of himself to everyone, so that failure to, to thank and serve the Creator is always a, sign against, a sin against knowledge. In the end, no denial of having received this knowledge will be admitted. Paul uses God's universal revelation of his power and goodness as the basis for his indictment of the whole human race as sinful and guilty before God, for our failure to serve him as we should. God has added to general revelation the further revelation of himself as the Savior of sinners through Jesus Christ. The revelation accomplished in history and written in Scripture is called special revelation and includes explicit verbal statement of all that general revelation tells us about God. That actually wasn't the article that had what I was looking for, but we'll get to it. I think it's the last one. Um, so where were we? So, all right, we just read Romans uh, 1. That makes it clear that uh, man is without excuse. Um, now, what's interesting here, if we look at 1 Corinthians 2.14, 1 Corinthians 2.14, <clears throat> The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, in the ESV translation here, it says, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Many translations says, does not know God. So, there's an argument some will make that the Bible contradicts itself, because on one hand, you have Romans 1 saying, um, that by by nature man knows God, and then in First Corinthians you have it saying the natural man does not know God. So well, there's a contradiction. Well, it's not a contradiction because you have to look at the context, um, especially in the original Hebrew. To know had uh, different meanings. The verb to know, and the, it's used in different contexts here. So um, in First Corinthians two fourteen, it does indeed say natural man doesn't know God. Uh, however, to know, uh, sorry, I said Hebrew, I meant Greek. The Greek verb to know used both for in intellectual awareness and for personal intimate relationship. So on one hand, we have man does know God uh, through nature in an intellectual sense. Um, they cannot deny intellectually that God exists because he has clearly and plainly revealed himself through nature. On the other hand, natural man does not know God in the sense they don't have a relationship with God. They don't know him that way. Um, one of the illustrations I think uh, used in the video was that, um, uh, I think it was talking about Abraham, um, Abraham and Sarah. Anyway, the, the uh, quote in the Old Testament is um, that Abraham knew his wife and she became pregnant, right? 
So the, the idea was, well, if you're looking at know, it's just a sense of intellectually know. Does that mean, okay, Abraham knew who his wife was, therefore she became pregnant? No, obviously to know in that sense meant they had an intimate relationship. So uh, and we're looking at First Corinthians, it's that same kind of view to know, meaning an intimate relationship with God. Natural man does not have automatically an intimate relationship with their creator, with God. And that's where, of course, special uh, revelation can come in so that we can understand how we can have an intimate relationship with our Creator. So there's no conflict. There's no contradiction between Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 2 if you understand the context and the nuances of the verb to know. Everyone is uh, guilty for universal rejection of God. The Father who has revealed himself in nature, we have suppressed this truth, man in general. Um, I mentioned earlier the Latin word manifestum, meaning it is clear or plain. And um, so one thing's interesting, if we read that again, uh, Romans 1, it mentions invisible. Um, so it talks about invisible attributes. Well, how can we see invisible attributes? Well, it says invisible attributes are clearly seen. So the idea here is um, it, they're clearly seen, but not directly. So we, we can't see God directly, but we see the nature of God through his creation. So And that is clearly clear and plain. Unbelievers will try to claim excuse that God didn't make it clear in his existence, was, that uh, his existence was not clear. God takes away this excuse through natural revelation. All, quote-unquote, know God cognitively, but only his people have relationship uh, with him that they quote-unquote know him in a relationship sense. Natural theology gets distorted by man's suppression of truth, which we talked about, but that cannot erase God's revelation. Uh, so again, man is without excuse. Um, so yeah, I want to read this um, short article to you on general revelation, and I think that's where the quote was that I really liked. Uh, let's see, this was written by Robert Godfrey. Nothing is more important than knowing God as he truly is. For this reason, the church has confessed many truths about our God throughout history. God is the eternal trinity, the almighty creator, the wise sustainer, the effective redeemer, and the coming judge. One truth not so clearly articulated in our creeds is that God is the trustworthy revealer. To know God as he is, he must reveal himself to us. Because God is infinite, he cannot be fully comprehended by finite creatures. We are blinded to God's truth by our sin. But even before sin entered the world, we needed God to tell us about himself. God has always been a revealer of himself, both in his words and in his works. He spoke to Adam in the Garden of Eden to reveal himself and displayed aspects of his character in the works of creation that surrounded Adam. Theologians have called God's words, spoken at first and later written down, his special revelation, while they have called his works of creation and providence his general revelation. General re revelation is, well, general, uh, whereas special revelation is much more specific, detailed, and extensive. Today, general revelation surrounds us in nature, while we possess special revelation in the Bible. Special revelation tells God's people everything revealed about his character in general revelation and much more. 
What exactly then is general revelation and why is it significant? Some suggest that the natural sciences are the study of general revelation and so go beyond special revelation. But since the Enlightenment, the natural sciences have typically studied creation not to know God, but to know creation, and therefore are not focused on general revelation through creation. General revelation, properly speaking, is God's clear display of his glory and power in the works of creation and providence. As the scriptures explain, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Psalms 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Romans 1. Many years ago, Joan Baez, the celebrated folk singer, introduced a song at one of her concerts. She was about to sing The Dangling Conversation, a song with the refrain, Be not too hard, for life is short and nothing is given to man. She told how she had been watching a beautiful sunset with the writer of the song and had asked, How can you look at such a beauty and say that nothing is given to man? The writer thought a moment and replied, Well, the beauty is loaned, not really given. The psalmist would have smiled and interjected, Whether the beauty of the sunset is given or only loaned, it points unmistakably and unavoidably to the divine one who gives or loans. That is the necessary character of general revelation. Sinners can resist and deny this general revelation, but they cannot escape it. All nature, all the time, shouts out the existence, power, and splendor of God. Sinners can close their eyes and stop their ears, but general revelation remains plain all around them. Only when the unrighteous actively suppress this plain truth can the testimony of general revelation be denied. Such suppression is wicked and foolish. So the scriptures rightly declare, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Psalms 14. This general revelation is an inevitable result of God's works of creation and providence. But what purpose does it serve? In the first place, general revelation is a great encouragement and support to believers throughout their lives. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Psalm 111. But there is another vital function of general revelation in this fallen world as well. Paul expressed this function powerfully. So they are without excuse. Romans 1. Sinners are full of excuses. I would believe if only I could see God or hear God. Paul says sinners have no legitimate excuses. Those who have rejected God's general revelation would not have profited from his special revelation. That's the interesting quote. Think about that. Those who have rejected God's general revelation would not have profited from his special revelation. Indeed, all of us sinners would reject both forms of God's revelation apart from God's special, merciful work of regeneration in the hearts of his people. Surely it would be presumptuous for us to add to the Apostles' Creed, but it might well be an improvement to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the Revealer and the Maker of heaven and earth. Praise God the Revealer. So I thought that was a very helpful quote.
Okay, what did I do with my overview sheet? Here we go. All right, so let's go through our overview sheet that we passed out and look at what we've studied. So general revelation and natural theology. Um, although scripture is God's special revelation to man and the supreme source of God's revelation, God's power and nature are also revealed in creation. Man is without excuse due to general revelation and natural theology. So it was an overview of what we discussed. A revealed faith. Truth, truth comes from God and is revealed to man. General and special revelation are how God reveals himself. God is the source of all truth. General revelation is for the whole world. It is also general because it is not specific, does not reveal the law or the gospel. Natural revelation is synonymous with general revelation. It should not be confused with natural theology. Natural theology, nature is between God and man, and God uses nature in part to reveal himself. While revelation is an action of God, theology is the knowledge of God that we retain in our minds. There's been confusion and debate about natural theology due to the verb to know being used in different contexts. We can know God through nature in the sense that we can have knowledge of his existence and power. We cannot, however, know God in the sense of having a personal and saving relationship with him apart from special revelation. All right, so questions. What are the two types of general revelation that have been discussed? So we talked about uh, creation without, in other words, nature, and conscience within. By what means can we know truth? That should be an easy one. Revelation, right? What God reveals truth to us. If revelation is perfect, why is natural theology distorted? As we discussed, because sinful men suppress the truth. Does Christianity stand or fall as a revealed faith? That's pretty obvious. Yes, it does. And uh, what is the Latin term to describe the plainness of natural revelation? We talked about this manifestum. All right, so let's discuss uh, how do special and general revelation differ? Pretty much sums it up. <laughs> All right. In what ways is natural theology distorted? Yeah. Clear beginning. It's yeah. Because they've already suppressed the truth because of God. They are, they have yeah. Make the make the data fit their argument instead of base their argument on the data. It's like they, they have an answer right. and they're trying to prove the answer. Yeah, exactly. You know, Stone, right? Right. And I think a lot of folks just 
Well, they carved it in stone. <laughs> Well, like we've been talking about in the, in the sermon series, what is the, the root of both um, antinomianism and legalism? It's self-justification. So that's what they've done. They found their self-justification by making a conclusion that there is no God. Because if there is no God, then they're not held responsible and accountable to him. And therefore, they can justify their actions. So it's the same problem, right? So that's that human sinful nature to self-justify. I hear the big push now is to discover before the Big Bang. Yeah. Exactly, because it's like, well, the Big Bang is God speaking things into existence. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, I'm, there you have it. Well, we know, we've got evidence of before. I mean, it's, yeah, now they're talking about it's cyclical. It keeps, it, it, it like explodes and then it comes back in on itself. And then explodes and it comes back in on itself. It's like, okay, well, how did that all start? Right? I mean, you can always push it back further. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> or they get pointed to God, like, oh, no, no, no. It's, not God. it's intelligent design. <laughs> well, God's pretty intelligent. He designed this, so what are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we've heard that theory too. Where did life come from? It came from the aliens. Oh, where did the aliens come from? Oh, well, don't ask that. (laughs) All right. Um, How is it we both know and yet not know God through general revelation? Right, and that's the key, right? Is the difference between an intellectual knowledge and a relational knowledge. Almost like a puzzle piece. I mean, or a photo cut into strips, right? You've got a piece, but it needs to be laid aside the other pieces because, like, you can look at the majesty of the Lord and the Creator, but where's Jesus, right? Oh, right. <laughs> Well, and, and you could flip that, that what I found was a helpful quote talking about, you know, those who have rejected God's general revelation would not profit by his special revelation. Well, you can flip it around. So those who have accepted God's general revelation, well, God in his sovereignty and providence is going to make sure they're aware of his special revelation. I'm not going to just leave them out in the cold. <laughs> so God doesn't do that. Why must general revelation be perfect if God judges man on general revelation alone? Does that kind of make sense? I mean, it's it's really more of a discussion. It's kind of a statement more than a question. But does it make, make sense that if God is judging man just on general revelation and not also on... Uh, special revelation, then his general revelation must be a perfect revelation, right? Because if it's a flawed revelation, then God would be unjust to judge man on a flawed revelation. So we know that his general revelation is, is perfect. Nobody can say that, well, you know, God, you didn't quite do it right. And so therefore, you know, you, you can't hold me accountable because you messed up here. Uh, we know his, his revelation has to be perfect. Does that, does that make sense? Since I haven't heard that particular way of waking out, though. Yeah, <laughs> that particular way of waking out. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, man comes up with all sorts oh, of. Hey. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I just never heard. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Any other discussion that you guys want to discuss? Anything else about what we talked about today? General revelation. Okay, if not, then um, Arthur, would you close us in prayer? And then after that, if you guys want to stick around, we can certainly watch the video if you want to do that.